Hello and welcome to the Wedding Dish Podcast. Grab your fork and knife and take a seat at our table as we dish on all things weddings. You'll hear stories and tips from real couples and wedding pros about love, life, and entrepreneurship. I am, of course, your hostess with the mostest on the wedding dish, Sarah Alipin, and the CEO of Photos from the Hardy and District Bliss. And I have my little French bulldog friend, Clouseau, sitting here in his podcasting chair making all kinds of gremlin noises for you. So um, hopefully you'll (laughs) get to enjoy some of those as we go today. Uh, Thank you everyone for tuning into The Wedding Dish. And today we're doing a part two, a little bit of myth busting, and we're talking about people pleasing. Um, So you may remember last week's guest, but she combines her experience as a multi-award winning makeup artist with her background in higher ed and educational counseling. She is the founder of First Looks, Jacqueline Burt. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to break this habit of like awkward white girl shimmying when people introduce me, but it's just, it's just what happens. Like I, my shoulders start moving and who knows? I, you know, I get it. I'm one of those people who can't sit still while someone reads my bio either. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an odd experience. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thanks for coming back on The Wedding Dish today. I'm really excited to dish with you about some of these myths and cultural messages that we get surrounding weddings all the time and kind of like go through and bust them. Um, So are you ready to bust some? I'm ready. Yes. All right. So I know we talked about this one on the last episode, but Bridezilla. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I'll I'll maybe say, too, I'll start off by – offering, I suppose. I use the verb offer a lot in the same way that makeup artists joke about using the word consider, right? Someone might say like, I want this. And the joke is we'll say, oh, let's consider maybe this, right? So I'm that same way with offer. And what I want to offer out the gate, I guess, is myth busting is cute and it works. And there definitely is busting in terms of like completely breaking down for some of this. Um, a lot of what I have found in my work so far, both as a as a makeup artist and then also in this kind of emotional support wedding guide realm, um, is that it's less about busting a myth and like totally destroying somebody's understanding of something and more about just like expanding, right? Like expanding and understanding and adding some, some possibility. Um, Bridezilla, though, is one that we can bust. That's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be more of a bust. Um, I know I, I am not the the first wedding professional or first human who has had beef and like bones to pick with this term. Um, but invariably, whenever I am speaking with folks and it comes up that I'm a wedding industry professional, it's almost always the first question that people ask. It's like, oh, man, like you must have a lot of bridezillas. And yeah, it's, well, yeah, right. It's, it's such a common reaction. And this whole concept of bridezilla is all over Western culture, American culture. There was a TV show called Bridezilla's, I believe. There was that 2004 movie, Bride Wars. Um, But the idea is that essentially, if you are a bride or a celebrant, right, you're supposed to be this like completely atrocious, like over the top demanding, super crazy, super stressed out, um, horrible monster 
of a person while you are planning your wedding. And part of what I find so frustrating about this whole idea is the the double bind that weddings present when it comes to emotions and stress. I think in our last conversation, I was talking a little bit about how part of what can make a wedding planning experience and a wedding celebration feel stressful is that not only are we making lots of decisions and trying to like plan a really huge event, but it's all happening under this umbrella of like, this is supposed to be the happiest you have ever been, right? The most beautiful you've ever been, the most excited you've ever been. And so there's this um, almost gaslight vibe in terms of like, you should be just overflowing with joy and everything is going to be beautiful and gorgeous and a celebration. And then right, it becomes this catch 22 of like, oh my God, but I want to like fire breathe on everyone I know, like, ah, right. So it seems so silly to me that when we have this like really high expectation around what a wedding is, and then we put somebody, a celebrant, in that situation of planning a wedding and being in that kind of pressure cooker. And then if they have strong emotional responses, then they're crazy. Like what? No. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it the other the other ones that that came to mind as you're talking about this are weddings are supposed to be stressful and mm-hmm. that they are the best or most important day of your life even when the caveat comes with up to this point. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's part of the Bridezilla story too is the it's this unspoken, right? On the one hand, we have this super gorgeous, super like, yay, the weddings, right? And then there's also this really commonly accepted, like, yeah, weddings are supposed to be stressful. You're supposed to be a Bridezilla. You're supposed to be running around and crazy and really stressed. And when I interact with people who are like, yeah, I'm actually pretty fine. That feels weird too, right? You start to doubt your own, like, why am I not freaking out? This is so weird. Why? Um, Yeah, lots and lots of stories. And of course, the underlying bit with all of this for me is that even though we have all of these cultural stories around bridezillas and like weddings supposed to be quote unquote, this really stressful and also really happy (laughs) experience, we still sometimes because of how human brains work can get really caught off guard by those feelings. So it's the idea that like, we kind of know we have these stories. We've maybe seen friends and family members get married, but this idea that like, feelings or reactions can sneak up on us, right? Or like we don't know that we feel a way about something until it's happening. And that's part of what can be really tricky as well. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like there are a lot of reframes, but we never as a society put them into place. Mm -hmm. So I would love to have you reframe weddings are supposed to be stressful. (laughs) Yes, that is. And that's my entire job. Um, Yeah. So the first reframe that I like to think of actually is just the idea of stress and our relationship to stress and taking away some of the um, fear or like pressure from stress and neutralizing it a little bit. 
So the idea, and when folks work with me too, and we're talking about things like stress management, I always really stress that like, LOL, ha ha ha, I stress it. Let's say emphasize. I emphasize that it's called stress management on purpose, not like stress removal or like stress erasure, right? Some stress is necessary. Um, so I like to work with folks to find reframes and even just other language, other words they can use. Like maybe we call it excitement. Um, maybe we call it anticipation, but just already starting to kind of reflect on the relationship to stress can be a helpful first step. Um, but then too, I think there's this, um, exercise I like to do around like zooming out and zooming in. And when it comes to weddings supposed to be really stressful, right? Maybe we go in thinking like, oh my God, this is going to be whatever, nine months or 12 months or 18 months of like insanity. And then it'll be over. Oh, thank God. Um, kind of zooming in and zooming out from that story in terms of like, you know, when I zoom out from the wedding day, I can separate myself from it a little bit. I can play with ideas around like, this is one day, this is right, just, you know, it's a celebration. And zoom out also, I think, can expand beyond the wedding and make it broader in terms of this is change, this is transformation. And I've seen that that can really allow for some extra gentleness and curiosity, right? If we're like, ah, the wedding, that can be scary and lots of stories come up. If we're like, oh, this is a life change. So like, yep, lots going on. But like, I've gone through other life changes so far already. It's just, it's change management. And so even sometimes framing it as change management instead of stress management, um, that can be really supportive as well. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that idea of like zooming out. I mean, I feel like that helps you kind of even with your budget there, you know, zooming mm -hmm. out like this is one day. Yeah. How important is it that we have X, Y, and Z that I'm going to be spending $15,000 on? Mm -hmm. um, or am I willing to compromise on that piece so that I can get that other piece that I really prioritize? Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, sometimes I, I've seen many couples go into debt from weddings um, yeah. and, and that's a hard way to start a marriage. Mm -hmm. um, it's not an ideal way. So even zooming out from it and, and stepping, you know, into each of those pieces um, and how important is it that um, so, you know, even for your guest to zoom out, if you have drama with your guest, for them to zoom out and think, how important is it to, for me to bring my unnamed plus one because I'm not <laughs> dating anyone right now, but I have decided that I would like to bring a plus one. So I have now RSVP'd plus one without a name. <laughs> <laughs> not that I've ever seen that happen. <laughs> Okay, I was just going to say, I, I haven't actually run into that a whole lot, but I certainly have heard of it. I, yeah. I have seen that happen several times. And oh it's gosh. really uncomfortable because sometimes it's unclear and then that yeah, person yeah. doesn't have a seat at the reception. Oh, um, it can be very complicated um, and it's a lot of scrambling and there are always bad feelings afterward from everyone. I can imagine. Yeah. Um. Yes, that that definitely. <laughs> um, 
Okay. So what about the concept that it's either all about the bride or it's whatever the bride wants or the bride is the most important person? I hear this all the time. I hear it from wedding professionals. Mm -hmm. I hear it from couples where they say, well, it's whatever she wants. Um, Mm -hmm. I hear it from, you know, friends. Like it's, it's very similar to that bridezilla piece. Oh, yeah. But it's so interesting that it's focused so directly on the heteronormative. Oh my God, yeah, feminine, yes, piece. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would love to have you um, go into that one. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly something that, as you mentioned, really contributes to this idea of bridezilla. Right? We have right. right I'm gonna. We're gonna get political for just a for just a moment. Um, just patriarchal society, right? folks who are raised as women or as female humans, um, very much socialized to be agreeable and pleasant and not make too many waves, right? And certainly to, to, right, 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 right. Um, And to oftentimes, um, you know, kind of squish away or like um, prioritize other folks' feelings over their own. and that's a really complex one that I think we'll maybe get into a little bit later. Um, yeah, but that is all all to say. Um, when we make it quote unquote all about the bride or all about any human, but especially if that human is female, um, there's our other catch twenty two, right? If you've spent your whole life up until this point being raised, or even if it right, even if maybe the adults who contributed to you being raised weren't this way, we're still part of a broader society that has this messaging, right? Um, to be agreeable, to not make waves. And then suddenly you like now it's your day and now you have to make all of the decisions and you have to especially when I work with couples where the dynamic, right, if they are a heterosexual couple, right, a man and a woman, and maybe the relationship dynamic up until planning this wedding celebration has been really even, right, maybe they both make decisions equally, or maybe the male partner is more type A or more decisive and the other person is really go with the flow and really laid back. And then they get to wedding planning and now suddenly that go with the flow or really laid back person or more indecisive person or even just like, right, more more chill person. Now suddenly it's all about them. That's scary, right? Like, of, of course there's yeah. going to be reactions there. Yeah, because you don't want to make waves. And all of a sudden you're like being thrown into this ocean where you all, everything you do makes waves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Exactly. And for sure, with wedding planning in particular, um, this might segue nicely into some other topics that I know we wanted to cover. Um, if you are planning a wedding celebration where other people are coming, right? Like unless it's you and your partner and an officiant in a forest, which is gorgeous and beautiful and like do that if that sprinkles your donut. If you're planning a celebration and guests are invited, there's no, right? I know I definitely was raised to like I, I heard that you can't make everyone happy. Sometimes you will make decisions and other people won't like it. But you're supposed to do everything you can to avoid that, right? There's like this, like we say it, but we like to pretend that like we can still combat that idea. So 
for sure, too, when we're trying to juggle or balance the experiences or feelings of other people who will also be there, um, that can make things really complicated as well, especially if we don't have any sort of experience with any other parts of our lives in, in doing that or trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be really hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a recovering people pleaser. I work very hard to not be a people pleaser. Um, <laughs> it's but it's an everyday thing that I have to reframe and change the message that my brain is giving me in order to not be. Hmm. Hmm. Well, and yeah, that may be so. You might know, or if there are folks listening who have followed me for a minute, you've maybe heard or seen me do this this spiel. I am actually not like anti people pleasing, right? This is kind of the hot take or like the another myth bust. Um, I don't think that people pleasing the way it is often talked about or presented. Um, I don't think it's always bad. I don't think it's inherently wrong. I think there's a lot of opportunity for some nuance in how we talk about it because certainly, and I want to be really clear because of course we were just talking about women and how we're socialized and bridezillas and all of that is of course very true as well. Um, What we really are talking about, and when I say we, I'm meaning like myself and my clients and the work that I do. What we're really talking about is some self-awareness and exploration of an understanding of our own capacity. And that's important too, I think, in this people-pleasing conversation, not necessarily what our needs and wants are, although that's related, but like capacity, right? What am I capable of doing when it comes to making decisions, um, you know, accommodating others, et cetera. And so, so often in the wedding industry, there is this messaging and like in broader society as well around like, oh, people pleasing. And so I'm, I'm a recovering people pleaser, right? Or like, I have to stop um, being such a people pleaser. And I think from what I've like seen in the culture. Um, I feel like an anthropologist. (laughs) Definitely some of, (laughs) I'm not an anthropologist. Um, There seems to be at least some merit there in terms of like, nobody wants to be quote unquote, a doormat. Right. And like, for sure, if you are somebody who struggles with like, often saying yes to things or accommodating things that are outside of your capacity. And so then some resentment builds up, right? Like you said yes, but really you didn't want to, or you said that this was okay and really it wasn't, right? Then like, yep, that is something that can be explored for sure. Um, I think where people run into uh, issues or like where a lot of it starts to kind of flip, right? And become a source of stress in and of itself. Um, when people are so like, this is my day and I'm a recovering people pleaser and I don't want to please other people. And I'm just going to like do me, right? There's this like, do you (laughs) kind of story. Um, that again, in my, in my personal and professional experience, it means that then everyone you have relationships with, including your partner, might get really left out, right? When I'm working with couples, we don't call it people-pleasing. We call it loved ones including or just others including, 
right? And if we have some of the awareness and skills and strategies around what our, our capacity actually is for wedding day stuff, then we can really thoughtfully and really intentionally include others because we are in relationship with others, right? I'm not an island. I don't exist in a vacuum. My wedding doesn't exist in a vacuum either. That's something that comes up a lot, I think, in the work that I do with emotional support and and wedding stress guidance. Um, Your brain can't and won't distinguish between what is like wedding stress and what is like the rest of your life stress. And so that can be difficult too when we're talking about people pleasing (laughs) and like if you are maybe already rocking family dynamics or like friendship relationship dynamics where there maybe has been some over accommodating. It's part of what I get most excited about in terms of then in planning your wedding, it can be this kind of um, like built in opportunity or built in fresh start. I know we talked about that in the last episode Um, to be like, okay, this has not been working for me so far. It's important to like, include others and be in relationship with others, right? It's not do me. I can't think of a rhyme for do you, boo. Do (laughs) me, queen. Do me, honey, be, whatever. This is not. (laughs) But, um, you know, it it can be this opportunity then to be like, all right, I don't want to be totally by myself because then, yeah, that then a lot of people are left out or maybe get hurt or maybe are upset, et cetera. How can I get curious about my own capacity so that I can then make much more intentional and much more informed decisions about who and how I want to include these like other humans that I'm in relationship with and care about. That is the perfect place to stop for a fast break. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're coming back in with more on people pleasing and boundaries and stress and, um, you know, reframing all the things. So we will be right back on the wedding dish. And we are back on the wedding dish. I, of course, am Sarah Alipin, joined by my Snorosaurus down here, Cluzo, the French Bulldog, and my amazing, brilliant guest today, the founder and CEO of First Looks, Jacqueline Burt. Thank you for being here again. My pleasure. Did the shimmy again? We're just going to embrace it. We're just going to... I, you know, I'm okay with my weirdness. Yeah, yeah. At this point in life, I'm okay with it. I feel like everyone should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's embrace our awkward behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So, why do you think the wedding day is so emotionally charged for friends and family of the couple? Because mm-hmm. it's not. We talked about in the last episode. It's not just about you as the couple. It's about your friends and family. Everyone has opinions. They have a lot of thoughts, feelings, and and they want to share those with you. And sometimes that can create a lot of stress in the wedding mm-hmm. planning process. Um, so I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, part of what's actually coming up for me right away is something that I talked about briefly in my very first Wedding Dish episode, which was kind of my own like engagement and wedding planning experience story. Um, the the meat of what I'm thinking of is that I'm the oldest of four kids and the sister right after me, so we're about two and a half years apart, um, she actually got engaged before I did. And 
I had been with my now spouse at the time boyfriend. We'd been together for like eight years and had just graduated college. And so in my head, I was like, this is for sure, right? Like, this is what comes next. Um, And my sister, who had been with her boyfriend for a while, I don't super remember how long, but like knew they were going to get married. They're awesome together. Like, love them both. Um, But she was 20 turning 21 when they got engaged. And so it was was a, a surprise, right? Like a happy surprise. But when that happened, it was something that like I had not really thought about, really understood, and certainly hadn't really appreciated how much of my own identity was so connected to like being the oldest sibling. Mm-hmm. And it was like all of these um, like identity points and then also some like insecurity points or insecurity bruises got kind of bumped all at the same time because I also, and if my spouse ever listens to this episode, I'm sure he'll laugh. Um, so yeah, been together for going on 15 years at this point, but we did break up two different times before we got engaged and married. Um, but there was for sure, right? Like he went through some stuff. I went through some stuff. And so there was some, some tumult, right? Tumultuousness. Um, so I for sure, for like, right, had a little pie slice of my brain that was like, I really want to get married, but I don't know if we're ever going to get married. And then the sister right after me got engaged. And what I'm getting at with all of this is that even the most like self-aware and like self-actualized or whatever, right? Um, the whole idea, I mentioned this already, I know, that we can be surprised by our own feelings and then to meta emotion or like the feelings we have about our feelings, right? Because in my own experience, my sister got engaged. I felt so many different feelings all at the same time. I was thrilled for her. I was so excited. I also was so like surprised, right? And I don't just mean surprised that it happened. I mean, surprised by how upset I was initially and not upset that my sister got engaged but upset that like, oh, but I'm the oldest, right? Or like, I've been with my partner for this many years and like, we're done with college and like, girl, you can't even order a drink, right? Like all of these, all of these. That was my first thought when I said, wow. Yes. And so all of, you know, it was, um, if I'm thinking back now, because of course it's been like six years at this point, um, it was like all of these thoughts and reactions came up And then immediately, right, we have thoughts about our thoughts and we have feelings about our feelings. And so I had this green-eyed jealousy monster come out of me and it was like, um, who da bitch? Like that is not right. Like, oh, I was very, um, I was angry and then I was ashamed and then I was jealous and then I was guilty and then I was upset and then, you know, so I think when we're talking about something like a wedding, aka a major life change depending on what sort of relationship dynamics you're already rocking, right? The relationship you maybe have with your parents or whoever maybe has raised you, any siblings, any other family members, extended family members, weddings can be this kind of like catalyst for some of those dynamics getting rocked. And again, sometimes in really positive ways, but maybe you get engaged 
and everyone is really happy for you. And then also maybe your mom is like, oh my God, I, oh my God, right? Like I thought you were a baby and now you're not and blah, right? And maybe her own identity as a mom starts to kind of rattle. Um, maybe the parents of your partner also are like, oh man, like, oh, like now they're adults and oh my gosh, are they financially ready? And then maybe they start to spiral and have their own feelings about money and maybe they have a weird relationship with money or it's a sense of insecurity. Um, so it for sure can be this kind of ripple effect of various emotional responses and reactions being like catalyzed. And then two, depending on, <laughs> depending on our own comfort level with feelings or really what this ties to then is communication, which is the heart of the work I do really. Um, if that's not talked about in ways that are comfy and accessible and right if we're not able to to share some of our feelings about feelings and thoughts about thoughts oh my gosh right i mean that that's where this giant wedding stress story can come from because then people are like, oh, I'm upset, but I know I shouldn't be upset. And so I have so much shame and also so much frustration. And also this is supposed to be the most beautiful I've ever been. And so I'm just going to go to the gym and bench press a horse and oh my God. So <laughs> maybe that's just me. Horse. I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know when I started saying that. That's probably a leftover thing from like college drumline. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? That's hysterical. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. But yeah. Does that, I mean, does that resonate with some of your own experiences maybe? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, anytime that you have feelings about your own feelings, it's mm -hmm. terrible. It's, yeah. It, it really like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, because it's like, I don't, I don't want to feel this way. I shouldn't mm -hmm. feel, it brings up the shoulds. Yep. Yeah. I call it shooting all over yourself. Right. Because yep. if you say it real fast, then it's like, <laughs> yep. Yep. But totally. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It, and I mean, shoulds are like a terrible place to live. <laughs> yeah. I, it's interesting too. I'm thinking back to some of the, the people pleasing ideas or these like feelings about our feelings. A lot of my hope, I guess, or like my, my goal in the work that I do with people is again, not to like, remove stress or like you will never have conflict or like you will never, you know, self gaslight or feel any sort of shame or guilt or embarrassment or whatever. Like those feelings will happen. They are supposed to happen right over the course of your lifetime. It's more about like, can you experience those moments of conflict or frustration or embarrassment or whatever um, without it totally breaking you? right? Or like breaking your wedding, right? Like it, it's okay to feel frustrated when you're planning a wedding. I want to make sure that you have, you know, phrases that you can talk about, right? Or phrases that will help you have more confident conversations with people when conflict happens. Um, so yeah, it, it's not about like be like feel easy and great the whole time more like it's it's okay to be upset and let's make sure that you have some like skills and strategies that will allow that upset to just like be be real and true and let people get wow that was a minnesota accent so hard oh my gosh Ooh. let people that you're in relationship with get closer to you because you're being honest 
right? That That's really the juice. That was amazing. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> You're welcome. So kind of like leaning into this a little bit, do you think yeah. it's possible to set boundaries surrounding your wedding day to avoid some of these additional stressful situations with guests that maybe are unnecessary stressors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. This is another big reframe. I don't know if I would call it like a myth busting per se, because boundaries are not a myth. They're just like things that are real. (laughs) Um, I do think kind of similarly to some of the cultural conversation on like people pleasing is bad. I think we sometimes get similar um, messaging on boundaries, right? It's certainly a term and an idea that has become a lot more popular in the last like right 10 plus years. Um, kind of buzzword e, But what I will hear from folks a lot is that their understanding of boundaries means like I am going to like draw this proverbial line in proverbial sand and this is my boundary. And so that means you, right? Person, parent, sibling, friend, partner, you have to do this or X, Y, Z, right? Here's the boundary. Like you do this or I'm out kind of thing. And that can be, (laughs) I, I play a lot with the idea that like, um, boundaries are not directions that we give other people, right? We don't actually have power or control over how other people behave or make decisions or speak or right, anything. So boundaries aren't directions we give to others. They are guidelines we use for ourselves. So rather than thinking about boundaries as being this externally facing thing, I really work with folks on like boundaries can like they're personal. Boundaries are for you, right? They are decisions that you make around how you are going to behave or not behave or speak or not speak. And so rather than saying to someone like, you don't get to talk to me like that, right? I might say for myself, and I can just to say it out loud or I can just hold it. I might have an internal boundary of like, I don't stay in conversations when I am being spoken to, right, with insults or with raised voices or with, right, whatever, whatever I want that to be. So rather than like directing others in how to speak to me, (laughs) it's my own understanding of like, I don't stay in conversations when this happens. So if it does start to happen, then I can make the choice to say, like, I would like to continue this conversation, but I'm not feeling good in it right now. Can we pause, right? I'm going to leave and come back maybe when we've both had a chance to regroup a little bit. But it's such a frame shift in terms of like, it allows boundaries to be personal. And I think that can be some of the most helpful tools when it comes to managing stress and managing conflict is whenever you can personalize something and make it yours, it takes away this like stress is just this like thing in the ether that happens to me. Right. And instead (laughs) when we're personalizing it, it's like, okay, I'm going to experience stress. It's not always going to necessarily be bad. How can I think about my relationship to stress? How can I make it mine? Right. And I think boundaries are totally the same. Like I don't, I don't get to tell other people what to do. That's silly. I can make decisions for what I want to do or not do. 
So when we internalize and personalize boundaries, they become a lot clearer, a lot more flexible. And then, of course, we have that much more of a sense of ownership as well. I really appreciate that because (laughs) I hear this all the time where it's like, Mm -hmm. and in business, it's another, like, you hear it all the time as a business owner. People are like, well, your boundaries are blah, 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 or you need to be setting boundaries. And, you know, I don't communicate with other business owners by text message. Mm -hmm. I, I don't because I cannot mark it unread. It will inevitably, something will get lost. I will forget about it. And that's my boundary. So when someone mm-hmm. texts me, I just say, you know, hey, I'm going to move this over to Slack or email because otherwise right. it's going to fall off my plate. Um, but it's really interesting because people always tell me that I have bad boundaries. Mm. And I, I actually think I have pretty good boundaries. Yeah. And I, you know, I let people know when they cross it. I don't have to be mean about it in order to mm-hmm. – I don't have to enforce my boundaries on mm-hmm. people. I can just let people know, hey, this is a boundary I have. Like, and I don't even have to say it that way. Like, it doesn't feel bad for me to say, I'm going to move this over from text message to email or Slack because I can mark it unread and I don't have time to answer it right now. But now I've opened it and I'm going to forget about it. I just know it. Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't feel bad. But if I say to someone, I've asked you repeatedly not to text me about business and this is why, then that person feels like shite. (laughs) Like, what does that do for me? That doesn't Mm -hmm. like, then it just makes me kind of like, like it's just aggressive for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. I mean, you hear about, you're bringing up so many good things. Um, the whole idea that boundaries again when we're when we're on maybe that more external stance like when i set boundaries i am there's i'm sure there's a, there's millions of like memes right and like pinterest quotes and instagram things about it right like boundaries like let other people know how to treat you and again it's the idea that like that's not like wrong but you had used the word enforced which like yeah Totally. That word gets paired with boundaries all the time and that we should enforce boundaries. And I like to think about boundaries as something that are like held, right? And that it might not sound that different on its face, but when we're enforcing something, we're again being pretty external, right? Because then if somebody behaves in a way that we've decided is not going to work for us or we don't like it or whatever, then if we have the enforcing mindset, it can prompt some of that more like directive or like, right, like you did this, so I'm out kind of response, right? And then we're supposed to feel good because we're quote unquote enforcing our boundary. Um, But if you're just holding your own understanding of like, here's what's working for me right now, so I'm going to do this, um, please continue to let me know what might also feel comfortable for you, right? And we'll kind of keep visiting. And that I think touches on some flexible boundaries as well. When I'm thinking about holding and like holding a boundary, it doesn't mean like hold this boundary forever until I die, right? It means like, here's what feels good right now. That might change a month from now, a year from now, tomorrow, right? So when we're keeping our boundaries as something that are ours, right? These are not directions I'm giving others. 
these are guidelines that I'm going to follow to protect my own right well-being, function, etc. Um, there's that much more room to adjust them and flex them, right? To like wake up maybe a month from now and be like, ooh, my responsibilities at work shifted a little bit. And so now my capacity for other things has gone up. So now it's going to feel a little more comfy for me to do this XYZ thing that was not comfortable for me a month ago when my capacity was lower. So all of that is so great. The other thing that I just want to talk about for just a second, because it's so baffling to me and I think connects a little bit to the Bridezilla conversation. When people tell us you have bad boundaries, right? Or that you were talking about that, that you get told you have bad boundaries, but like you don't think so. This idea that everyone is the expert of their own experience, right? And on the one hand, when we're planning a wedding, we're kind of put in this position to like suddenly make a bunch of decisions and be like a quote unquote queen for a day, right? Um, if we're a bride or a female identifying celebrant, um, let's say royalty for a day. Royalty for a day. We're always working on that gender neutral language. Yes. Um, right. We're, we're put in this like royalty for a day sort of mindset. Um, and like you on the one hand, cool. On the other hand, if you also are constantly in conversations or situations where you've been taught not to trust your own experience of things or your own feelings about things, or your I know I was told a lot as a kid that I was really dramatic, which like is 1 million percent true. It's not like that's wrong. What it does though is like when I had my wedding and I wanted to wear this like really beautiful tiara, which in retrospect, I'm really glad that I didn't because it was giant and I'm a very small person and it would have looked kind of silly. <laughs> but at the time I found it and it was so beautiful. It is still so beautiful. And I did buy it and it's currently in my makeup studio and it's gorgeous. Um, Anyway, I had this story of like, oh, like Jay is really dramatic and she's kind of a diva and she's really glam and she's really blah. And I'm a Midwestern white person and there's a lot of like humble culture in the Midwest, right? Like you're, especially if you're white, um, this idea that like you're, you're not supposed to showboat, right? Or like be like over the top is a four letter word kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and for sure, some of my family members had already, this is an example too, of like loved ones have feelings about your wedding as well, even if they're not super conscious of it until it's happening. Um, I found this tiara and my mom, who is amazing um, and right, very much also grew up in the kind of humble culture of white Midwestern families was like, oh my God, a tiara, right? Like really? Oh my gosh. Like also thought it was so beautiful. Want Like it helped me with my entire wedding, like wanted it to be gorgeous and it was, but I could so tell that she was like, wait, oh my God, really? Oh my gosh. And the, we had exactly one conversation and I remember it because it was really transformative in my own like understanding of how wedding planning was going because she said something along the lines of like, what are people going to say? Right. You're already this like giant personality, like right, you're this mega glam <laughs> human. What are people going to say? 
And in that moment, I wasn't like mad or angry, right? Her, her feelings were her own. But what I remember saying was that the people, for the most part, the people I invited to my wedding celebration were not like strangers, right? Like they're people who know me and who know what I'm like and what I like. And so the, there was this understanding for me around like, like pe- people know, like they, they know who you are. And if they have reactions around like, oh, that's really over the top. Oh my gosh. Then like, okay. Right. Certainly. Cause we had a pretty big wedding. Um, it's not like everyone in the room would have been like, this is fine. This is great. We know her vibe. Ah, but like the people who I actually have relationships with, right. And like have relationships with still, um, it was just really transformative for me to be like, wait, but, but they know, they know. And when I'm in a healthy relationship with somebody, part of that healthy relationship dynamic comes from the other person, person, excuse me, understanding that like, I get to say what I like, what works for me, what, whatever. Right. And their job then isn't to be like, I don't know. Like, I think you might be wrong. Right. Like when I say to my friends, like, I really like vanilla ice cream. They don't say, really? Are you sure? Right. So (laughs) I think that whole idea of like, when somebody says, here's what I like, or like, here is something that's important to me. Our job is just to be like, okay. Right. Like, cool. I believe you. I believe that that's true. And that very much extends to boundaries and comfort levels with things and then capacity, right? Which goes right back to people pleasing. Like if I say I don't have capacity for that, like I I mean it. But that's a learned skill because definitely a lot of us were not raised to say what we mean, mean what we say. And so then too, we're in this kind of culture of like, I, I don't blame people for being like, wait, really? Because we, right, we say things we don't mean all the time. But that is my entire job. (laughs) That is is the heart of the work is like, how can we get you to use your wedding planning experience to give you some, right, kind of like low stakes, follow this pretty easy cultural script, right? Here's this like built-in opportunity where you can actually do some exploring and get some skills and strategies around stuff that will last you for like forever. Right. And it will show up in your marriage and it will show up in the workplace and it will show up in your relationship with parents and siblings and other family members. Like it extends so far beyond in the best way. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, it's it's like once you start using your core when you do things, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you realize you're actively using your core when you lift something off the floor and yes. you normally would just lift with your back or whatever. <laughs> oh my God, I hope not. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, that's all we have time for today. I so appreciate you being on The Wedding Dish. It's such a delight to have you back. It's just you always share such great information with our people, Jacqueline. Like it's so, it's just been, it's lovely. So, where can our listeners find you (laughs) online? Well, yes. Thank you so much. I think I might have said last time too, you're so good for my ego. I appreciate it. Um, thank you. It is an honor, an honor to be here for sure. Um, folks can find me in a couple different spots. So I am most active probably on Instagram. And so I am just at First Looks LLC. Um, I am also at First Looks LLC on TikTok. Uh, but I definitely, I feel the most my age when it comes to, I'm like, I don't know how 
I'm just going to watch videos of puppies all the time. Um, but if people are on TikTok, right, 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 right. That's all you need. Um, yeah. First Looks LLC is the handle for all of social media. And then folks can find me on the website, firstlooksllc.com. And then I am good with email as well. Email is always comfy. So that's firstlooksllc at gmail.com. Awesome. And while you're over there following First Looks LLC on Instagram and TikTok, we are not on TikTok yet, although (laughs) it is a long-term plan. It's just – there's you only have the space for so many things in life. Yes, girl, capacity, capacity. Right now, I am at capacity. So Mm -hmm. one day I will tell you our TikTok handle, but in the meantime, our Instagram handle is at the Wedding Dish Podcast. That is also our website, so you can find us there. Um, And you can read our show notes, apply to be a guest. You can um, grab all kinds of tips and things from our experts on here. And then you can also get transcripts, um, which I'm a little bit behind on. I apologize. Again, capacity. I know my limitations and I feel bad about it, but I am committed to getting them on there. So I'm still holding myself to it. Um, So don't forget to tune in next week. I'm really excited. We have another, we've got a great lineup this season. And um, if you like the podcast, please follow, rate, and review on your favorite podcasting app. Until next time. Cheers.